0: Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight Podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our
1: listeners. You are tuned in to HealthWise 360 with Christy Cordingly. Enjoy. So, Hello and welcome to this episode of HealthWise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I'm your show host, Chrissy Cordingly, and you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a 100 other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcasts. And today I'm really thrilled to be interviewing... Andy Hahn, who is a Harvard graduate, licensed clinical psychologist, and the founder of Life Centered Therapy. What most inspired his career was the opportunity of sitting with other people and bringing everything he knew in service towards their healing and growth. He's often been asked, how can you know me better in a few hours than my best friend who's known me my whole life? And in 1985, he became a professor in the graduate counseling program at Lesley University and a clinical And and also became a clinical training director, sorry for Andy. Andy's work profoundly changed in the 1990s when he discovered a new way of understanding life and healing trauma. Life-centered therapy can be applied to any suffering or symptoms, even physical ones. He also uses the Enneagram Elegant Framework for understanding self and others from the inside out and for spiritual evolving. Daily he witnesses and experiences healing that is truly extraordinary and his life of work aesthetic is an act of creation. So welcome to the show, Andy. We're
0: so thrilled to have you. I am so thrilled to be here and I want to meet this person that you just read about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's always weird <laughs> when you hear your own bio. You're like, wow, that person is really pretty cool, strange. right? Yeah. It really is strange, yeah, I feel the same way sometimes. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> and and Enneagram, I love Enneagram. I am a four W5
0: just Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) we we can we can be we can be people who are romantics together
1: yeah (laughs) yes so uh, let's talk a little bit about healing because i think the idea of wellness or being healthy uh sometimes gets misconstrued with physical signs of success but there's a lot of successful people in the world And I like um, how you worded it in the limelight just because we're on in the limelight media (laughs) that don't feel good about themselves inside. What is that keeps people from actually seeking total fulfillment rather than just the maybe financial or physical signs of
0: success? That's a great question. No one has ever asked me that question. I'll tell you what I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one is external and one is internal. And to be truly fulfilled, filled all, you have to be able to accept all of who you are because otherwise you'll have an empty spot. that will just crave your attention and it will keep knocking on your door saying, pay attention to me. And some people will say, I will do anything I can to get as far away from that because it feels like a black hole Mm -hmm. and it will destroy me. But some people know that black holes are about attraction. Like what's gravity? It's saying, I'm calling you and I'm just asking you to come and be with me. But -hmm. we call those things by the wrong name and then we spend all of our time trying to avoid that black hole. So the reason most people don't want to do it is they think the black hole will kill them or destroy them, But really it's a revelation that would be their uh, their uh, well, it would it would be what would save them it would be you know what will save them, but mm-hmm. uh, you know that's why we get away from the divine we call it by the wrong name and we think it will destroy us when really it will enlighten us.
1: I really love that perspective. I know in past I've heard things like stress is actually just resistance and these things that happen that we maybe label as negative or uh, perceived weaknesses is actually just when when they catch our attention, they're actually just invitations to grow. And if we would just RSVP, yes, and lean in, uh, life would sort of bend in our favor. Uh, but it is very scary to do that deep work. Um, How does someone know that they're ready or how does one start that journey of finding their inner wellspring, who they really, really are on the inside and learning to accept all their facets because we're not good or bad. We don't have good or bad parts. We just are right whole humans. So how do we how do we start that journey?
0: Most people start it because there's some kind of sense that no matter how what's going on in the outside, there's a sense of longing for something more. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you really tune into that longing, and you say, like, there must be something more, even if I'm profoundly successful externally. And it's like a call of your soul, and uh, it's not something you figure out. It's just like you know, and you say, like, am I really in alignment, like with what I know is true and my deepest aspirations? And life usually provides you with opportunity because when you're not, you'll be anxious or you'll be judgmental or you'll be <laughs> compatible or you'll be something and you'll say, like, you know, I'm really successful, but someone's more successful, so I'm not satisfied. So there, there's a sense of I'm no longer able to be the master of my own ship because I'm always being reactive. And it's not like I'm creating something, I'm just reacting. And at some point, most of us get to a place where we say, no, I can't go on like this anymore. It's too painful, even if it looks good on the outside. So then we start.
1: Absolutely. Do you have any examples, like a good story of maybe either in your own life or or someone that you know that has really transformed and healed and sort of softened all their edges towards themselves?
0: <laughs> yeah, like uh, uh, 30, 30 years worth of thirty hours a week for like four. Share a, one, Share a good one, Addie. Share a good one. Um, I'll tell you the one that came to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this one came to me, but I'll tell it to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe because what we're talking about. Someone once came to me for therapy a long time ago, and it's because uh, he was he thought he was drinking too much. Yeah. And he came in, and this man was unbelievably successful, and uh, he told me about all of his success and how every business he started was way more successful than the last, and he was a multi-multi-millionaire, and every wife he had was more beautiful and younger than the last one, and he told me all about that. And I listened to him for a little while, and I said, this is not like me typically. It's not how I usually work. I said, tell me, what's it like to be a failure? And he said, no one's ever said that to me. And I said, okay, well, that's okay. Why don't you tell me what it's like anyway? He said, no one's ever said that to me. I said, I'll tell you what then. You're here for some reason. Why don't you go inside and why don't you just tell me if I'm right or wrong? And he said, you know what, you're really right. I've had to be more and more successful because I've been so afraid that who I am is a failure. And I said, well, now we can work with something. And we spend our time saying, what would happen if for one moment you let yourself fully experience I'm a failure as opposed to running away from it? And he did. And uh, that was in our first session. And I had him really, really experience I'm a failure. And all of the judgmentalism he had about himself and shame, and because there was a lot of that, that he'd been avoiding by drinking and compulsively being successful. And I said, You know, it's an interesting thing because as you talk to me, you're successful, but you've never let yourself really experience success because you spent your whole life trying to prove you weren't a failure. So you never really got the chance to say, I get to experience success because you've been so afraid to say, I'm going to experience I'm a failure. And they really are in a kind of union, you know, they need each other, they call for each other because you can't be successful unless you're a failure. And you can't be a failure unless you're successful. So really, you know, we have a lot of judgment about one of them. We have a lot of judgment about the other too. We don't have to just be with them. So, for whatever reason, since we were talking about these things, um, and I can tell you, he stopped drinking very quickly. Yeah. He, he was using his drinking to, um, even though he thought he like drinking, he was really using it as a way not to have to experience how much of a failure he was. And as soon as, and it said, his drinking said, I tried to protect him from this because he asked me to. We actually, actually talked to the, the experience, the sensation of I'm a failure. And we said, You know, how are you serving this person? And he t- started to talk about how he was serving him and how he tried to make him feel more comfortable with himself, but then he would like, you know, lose it because he would drink too much and sort of like make a fool of himself. And oh, I said, cool. You know, it's really interesting because as we're talking to failure, he we said, Well, you tried to protect him from you. But you also invited them in to really experiencing it at the same time. It was quite a revelation. Mm-hmm. the not... thing we would protect ourselves is actually an invitation to remember who we are. So,
1: so I would imagine, and I'm just thinking off the cuff here, when you sit with some of those feelings like I'm a failure or things that we have judgment for, how do we ensure that we're not crossing the threshold of, wallowing and feeling sorry for ourselves. Like how do we make it a healthy exercise rather than now I'm going to wear this badge of failure. (laughs) And do you know what I mean?
0: I do. and I can give you two answers. Okay. The first one is specific to that. And the second one is why people do it and how you can avoid it. All right. First, let me tell you, if you're wallowing in it, right, maybe that's the thing you have to look at. So instead of like saying wallowing is bad, maybe we could say, well, you're in a story where what you had to do was wallow. Yeah. So instead of that being a resistance, maybe it's the point, it's not the problem. So what would happen if you really allowed, I'm wallowing and felt that in the body and you'd find out, well, I'm wallowing because someone would never listen to me or whatever. So you'd let it speak because whenever there's something you can't handle, right? In that moment, a discomfort is born. Uh-huh. And if you choose to become the discomfort call, I'm wallowing, right? And you said, I'll let myself fully experience you, but I'm not you. In the same way that an actor says, I can choose to play a role. And in this play I'm in or movie or novel, my name is I'm wallowing or nausea in stomach, right? Which are the same thing. and say, okay, nausea in stomach. What have you come to share about wallowing? Where are you beginning? What's happening? You teach uh-huh. us. And if you choose to become it, Right, you no longer unconsciously live it out by wallowing. You say, I'm here with you, and I can bear witness to you, and I can hold you, but I'm not you. You're not my identity, you're just something being experienced. And we can get to a place where we have no identity, we're just the one who's experiencing, and we're free. So, I don't think there's any such thing as resistance, I only think there's remembering. And what people call resistance is just one more narrative, one more story that we have to have revealed. And when we have it revealed, suddenly we're in a whole different relationship with it. Remembering. Yeah. Yes.
1: Because I think I guess you would say that because we would something has experienced in the past and created that discomfort, I guess, right? Either we've put ourselves in a situation or whatever. So it's remembering where that came from
0: how we got that story in the first place is that what you mean exactly and the way we can discover that right uh is whenever there's something that can't be handled which is the only reason people come for healing if you could handle everything you would never go for healing because you'd be whole to start with and you'll remember who you are so life is just about the invitation to remember who we truly are so we're free of suffering because suffering is just not remembering who we are and the way we do it is simple which is when, I mean, all therapy or any healing is mastering what couldn't be handled. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is easy. When something can't be handled in that moment, of discomfort is born and it's here right now. So like if you were feeling uh, anxious, and I say, Chrissy, when you're feeling anxious, what do you feel in the body? You say, oh, I'm feeling sick to my stomach, right? Well, I'd say, Chrissy, you're not feeling anxious because your little toe is just fine. So you're not feeling anxious, but someone whose name is sick to stomach is feeling anxious. Mm. and you're not aware of them because they were born in a moment and the second they were born you identified with them you think you are them but you're not them but you're just playing out their story over and over and over again because you're stuck there but it's not who you really are so what you're going to do is you're going to choose to become them and the way you're going to do that is you're going to bring all your attention to them to such a degree that you're going to be sick to stomach right that's your new name and then whatever you share is going to be that one's story and if all I ever wanted to say to your audience was one thing, it's whenever there's something that you're suffering about, which means you're anxious or you're judgmental or you're comparative or you're compulsive or whatever it is, there will be an equivalent body sensation that was born in a moment, but I'm not regressing you because it's here right now. So I don't believe in regression because everything is here right now. Okay. And every discomfort you have is simply a story that hasn't been revealed yet. <sighs> a headache instead of like taking a pill and saying I hate your guts which is probably part of the story because you're probably hating somebody's guts but because we always are telling the story but if you brought your attention to headache and said okay headache before I take a pill and try to get rid of you what have you come to share and use and headache says I'm you know you was a fifth you was a five-year-old and you were writing one day and you were so excited about your life that you were like were like creative and then your teacher came by and slammed a book on your head and said, I told you to put away your play. It's time to work. And you say, Oh my gosh, no wonder I compulsively have to do other people's work, but I can never be creative. Oh, and suddenly, 40 years later, when you say, Oh, You were protecting me from Mrs. Birnbaum, who hit me over the head when I was five years old, but I had forgotten all about that. But every time I go to write, which I love doing, I can't do it, but I have to do everybody else's work first. You realize you were just that five-year-old girl, except in a 45-year-old body, living out the five-year-old story. Until you say, oh, (laughs) "Oh, you're just someone protecting me from being hit over the head. Yes. Yes. Why am I headache? which I never knew why I was there, and then magically headaches go away. They that's, don't come back.
1: So interesting. You said one phrase there. I just want to repeat, because I'm
0: going to write this down in a minute. Master,
1: what did you say? Mastering?
0: I said this. I'll tell you again. There's only one reason people come for healing, which is something couldn't be handled and taken in stride.
1: Something couldn't that's
0: be handled. The trauma is. Trauma is only something that can't be, if you can handle it, it's not trauma, right? It can be too bad. It can be good, too good. It can be too much. <laughs> as long as it's too something, you're not handling it, mm-hmm. okay? Okay, what is healing? Mastering what can't, what couldn't be taken in stride and handled. So freedom is being able to master everything and just say, yes, I can say yes to everything. How do you do it? It's simple. And something can't be handled, who you are, which is E as an energy, slows down by the speed of light squared and becomes M, which is matter, which you can feel in your body as some kind of discomfort, right? So really, any identity we have is simply traumatic energy that moves from being who you truly are, which is a verb, a flow, E, right? right? You're a wave, that's who you are, and suddenly a particle is born called sick to stomach because something couldn't be handled. Mm -hmm. handling it just means I will choose to become you from the inside out in the same way an actor would choose to become a role and I will fully be here with you and I will accept you which you of course couldn't accept yourself in that moment so I will give you what you needed in that moment which is I will bring all my awareness to you I will allow you I will bring all my attention to you and I will accept you which means whatever you say I will just nod my head and say yes and then you can share anything you like. And then one of three things will happen. If you're kinesthetic, you'll start screaming, with, if you were that five year old girl, like, I gonna on the right, with my right? If you're visual, you'll suddenly oh, see a big picture, right? I'm seeing a picture of me as a five year old girl. And if you're auditory, it'll be like reading a novel and say, I know exactly what happened. I'm five years old and I'm sitting in that classroom and I'm writing my story. I'm happy as a clam. And then suddenly she hit me over the head, right? And then you say, oh, no wonder I can't do my own creative work. And no wonder I have headaches whenever I think about, I had never realized my headaches come up every time I think about being creative. I just thought I had like, you know, chronic headaches, but no doctor can tell me what to do about them. And then in five seconds, I go away and never come back (sighs) because they're not physical. And we think things are physical, like autoimmune disease or chronic pain or chronic fatigue or whatever. I work with people with that stuff all the time. And they'll tell me stories about why it is that they have chronic pain, but I'll find out it isn't that that's what's going on. It's just the story that usually isn't the story they think it is, because that's just an echo of an, of an earlier story because our unconscious is very nice to us and it keeps creating over and over and over again echoes of the original situation, trying to help us remember. But of course, we don't think that's the case. So we just said, there's a technical term in my field for what that's called, which if I can swear, I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. It's called, it sucks. Yes. Yeah. Because- That's what it is. I mean, because we don't know that life is, you know, giving us an opportunity to remember. And the best way I can do it is create an echo of the thing that couldn't be handled in the first place, which means we're not going to like it, right? But really, on a soul level, as we talked about before, it's an invitation to learn some lessons in order to heal and evolve and heal and grow. And so to hold people in their pain on a human level while saying on a soul level, all we're doing is trying to remember so we can evolve and we're going to hold both of those things up and that's healing
1: i love that you um talk a little bit about in some of your writing and in your work you talk about self-esteem and i imagine this would be a similar approach that uh self-acceptance is also like it's you talk about autoimmune and physical ailments being um stories that we need to hold space for and remember Is it the same thing with self-esteem and self-acceptance? Like if we don't say have physical ailments, but we're feeling down about ourselves.
0: If you're feeling down about yourself, you're in some story that something couldn't be handled. So you'll call it, I lack self-esteem. But really what it was is when you're an eight-year-old girl and you had this idea about like something really good. And someone like a parent or something looked at you funny and said, no, that's not what girls are supposed to do. And whenever you want to do it, suddenly you feel like a piece of you know what, right? because that's a way of protecting yourself from being who you truly were, which was judged. And -hmm. then you take that voice inside your own head and you start doing it to yourself, but really it's just a way never to be abandoned by a parent that you have very mixed feelings about, right? So the best protection we have is to do it to ourselves because then we take that relationship inside and we can play out any side of it we like, right? But really it was an eight-year-old girl was saying the best choice I have right now is to take that person inside of me and then I can master it inside of me because I've never changed my father or my mother, right? I'll never be able to do that, right? So, and I'll never get abandoned and I'm the one who can change something, right? I'm the one who can master it. And so, um, you know, it's a really good strategy when you're eight, except now we're 48 and we're still, you know, whenever we say... I think I know what's right. No, I can't do that. That's a bad idea, right? And that's a bad idea is really your father, your mother's voice or both of their voices. And you say, thank you very much. You know, you probably protected me because when I was eight years old, if I had done it, I might've gotten slugged, but that was 40 years ago. So I'm going to say, I chose for you to come in. Mm -hmm. I can choose to have you go out because really that's the eight-year-old who's traumatized and the protection she made by bringing in her parents' voice. And then you just send it all kinds of loving energy because we're all channels of love. And we just send loving energy into that thing that was now outside of us because we asked it to come in. We say, thank you very much. I'm very grateful. You probably kept me alive. But now I'm going to ask you to leave. And then say, thank you very much. I'd rather be in my pure form too. And then you just send it energy, which is light. And you channel light into it. And the protection goes away. And the eight-year-old is healed. And then suddenly you have have Mm self-esteem.
1: I really like that. So as we enter this world where there seems to be a bit of struggle between uh, empowerment, enlightenment, and wanting things to just stay the way they are, even though there's a lot of uh, maybe injustice or brokenness in the world. There's a lot of pain and suffering out there. Um, so how can we use this empowerment or these healing techniques in the service of social change or social justice?
0: Well, um, you talked about it on two levels. So I'll talk to you about it on the personal level, and then on the yep. collective. Okay? Mm-hmm. On the personal level, you said there's this tension between we'll say security and let's say keeping things the same and wanting things to be different, okay? Now, I want you to notice, right? Those two things are in a relationship with each other. You can't think about change unless you can think about same. You can't think about same unless you can think about change. So really they're kind of in this kind of sacred union, right? And then the question is, can we let go of our compulsive preferences, which means So like uh, you, something's happening and you cause there's a context. So we're gonna talk about a context at some point or other, but in your personal life, am I gonna stay where I am or am I gonna move, right? Let's say. Okay, so the question then is, can we be the one who's holding, keeping things the same or aligning with change? And if we could do that, we could say, well, I have to decide where I'm going to be, that's the context. But once I know that's the context, life is going to reveal something to me if I could be open and not be attached to one side or the other of that. So my work is to say, any charge I have on keeping things the same or you know, doing something different, right? I'm going to notice whatever anxiety comes up and I'm going to be with that until, I can say what is life inviting me to do right now if I really tune into my deepest intuitive knowing and in my heart, and I'm going to follow that even if I'm scared. So that's the first thing I'd say. So Gandhi in the movie said three things, right? He said uh, uh, the easiest people to deal with were the British. Second, the Indian people were really, really hard. But myself, that was the hardest. So really, if you want to, if you want social change, you have to start from within. Right, because you have to be free to be in a place where you can be accepting of everybody and accepting of everything, including the changes that will naturally happen if we're in a place of freedom to just say, "I can be with what life wants to have happen without getting in the way." Right? Okay, why doesn't that happen? Because somebody else can't do it, and they're scared. Right? So they have they have power over me, and they're scared to let go of it well okay they're scared to let go of it but my job is to be with them in their fear and say i can be with you and i'm not going to judge you because if i judge you how am i any different than you right whether you know it's in politics in this country or any place but it's time for a change and i can align with the change while keeping my heart open and keeping my mind open and being fully engaged while simultaneously having the ability to know I could be wrong, but I'm going to do it anyhow because it's true for me, but that doesn't make it the truth. That just makes it true for me. Mm -hmm. And then I think we can be with anything because if we're that free, we could sit with, I mean, if you really want to know, at that point, we could sit with anything and we could start to be with the pain and the suffering that's there and just be with it. And then if we could truly be with it, it starts to change. Lovely. Thank you. I think that's the most powerful way to do social change. But then, of course, we have to be engaged in the world and we have to see what we're committed to. And each of us will have our own calling, whether it's, you know, if we were talking about power, over, is it, you know, human trafficking, or is it, you know, whatever it is. And we'll say, I can stand up to power when it's appropriate. Because mm-hmm. what do do to me, you know. But then we have to know that they think they can do something to me, but they can't. You know, and at that point you get spiritual, right? I mean, you have exemplars like you know Jesus becoming Christ. Well, right before he's Christ, right before he dies, he's screaming at his father saying, Why hast thou forsaken me? Right? He's got a problem, he's a good exemplar for us. So he's stuck. But then he comes to a revelation, which is there's no such thing as death. It's only it looks like there's death, but really there's just resurrection, and there is no death, and there's only one. At that point, when he's about to crucified, he said, I command my soul over to you. He's no longer like fighting. You. And then you say, Okay, life is calling for a sacrifice right now, NBD. So when we can be that way, then we can stand up for whatever is true for us. And that's what I'd say.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, Would you, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like the audience to know about you and your work?
0: Yeah, what I want them to know about the work is it's a truly different way of understanding life and understanding trauma and understanding healing. If someone else is doing it, I'm not aware of it and I won't. And I think it's because when you start with all of life, as opposed to a part of life, it's got to be better, right? If you say, I think, therefore I am, you've got a problem because it's not true. You are, and one of the things you do is think. So if you start, from my point of view, that doesn't make it wrong. It makes it limited. Mm-hmm. If you say cognition is, if you say I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, well, what about the heart? Where's that in cognitive behavioral? So I'd say you have to start with everything and then say, what's calling me right now. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is we do have a book, which told me to do, that was so nice, which called The One Hour Miracle. And um, I'll keep it up. The One Hour Miracle. Uh, it's really fun to read. And it's we teach people how to do this work for themselves. We also teach therapists. We've taught therapists from all over the world. We've now trained over a thousand people in life-centered therapy. And so we teach you how to do it for yourself. And we have all these amazing stories that people write themselves. I mean, we we wrote some of the stories because we wanted to show certain things about themes, but most of the stories in there are people writing about what it was like from the inside out, which I think is really kind of cool because, you know, you're the expert on what your experience was. I'm not, I don't know. Like, no, I don't know that. So, I mean, and then we train people and, you know, and if you write me, I actually respond to everything. So if you write me at Ahan, Han at LifeCenterTherapy.com, I will respond to you. And, you know, what I'd love to say is if you're interested, buy our book or write me or we have all kinds of therapists all over the place and you can Mm -hmm. see all you've trained and, you know, and we can teach you how to do it for yourself. And and it's really, like, joyful and it's really alive. And, like, I'm the luckiest person in the world. And I get to talk with you. So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, this has been a highlight of my day, too. So thank you so much, Andy, for sharing your heart and uh, your passion for healing and transformation and love in the world. Thank you.
0: Well, you're welcome. And as they say, it takes one to know one. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of HealthWise 360 here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe And don't forget to tell your friends.